Welcome to another episode of Not This, the podcast that seeks to deconstruct fear-based belief patterns and systems through curiosity and love. I'm your host, Tina Marie Olson, and this week I'm talking about a recent Theta Healing course that I took called Dig Deeper and the fact that there's nothing wrong with you if you have done personal growth work, if you have opened your consciousness and awakened to the fact that what we believe in everyday reality is a whole mix swish of love and fear and all of the range of emotions in between and that you've done work to dig into what are those beliefs that aren't serving? What are those beliefs that are fully based in low vibration or dense emotions and fear? And why can't I change all of those? I've tried. Some of them have changed. Some of them have provided profound impact in my life. But why are there other ones that just kind of seem to hang out? And why are there certain aspects of things like coaching or therapy that just seem to accept that there's going to be things that we can't change? What if we call bullshit on all of that? What if we say, you know what? Unity consciousness, heaven on earth, says every aspect of our beings can be aligned to the light, to love, to the truth of who we really are, which is source energy, which is pure consciousness. Then it makes it possible that every single belief that isn't fully serving us can be changed. But first, we have to find the gifts. So that's what I'm talking about today. I hope you'll join me and I am sending you so much love. I have been so freaking excited to record this episode. A lot of times in my process, I might not know what I'm going to talk about on these solo episodes until like practically the moment they happen. Other times they're brewing and I'm still learning this process. You know, this is still a baby. So when I took a Theta Healing course a couple weeks ago, I immediately knew I wanted to do a solo episode talking in detail about this particular course and just more in detail about Theta Healing. Um, so this episode is called Dig Deeper because that's also what the Theta Healing course is called. So let me rewind a little bit. I first came across Theta Healing in 2015 and I was working, well, actually let me back up even further a little bit. I had gone through my second, what I would consider to be like really painful, severe, intense dark night of the soul in November of 2014. And at the time, I, because my first dark night of the soul had been a year plus earlier, I knew like, oh, I am not going back to the place of feeling like helpless and hopeless and like I have no support and I, I know better this time than to suffer through this on my own. And so I, when I found myself feeling a lot of the same really, really hard feelings um, and just really intense emotions, I was like, okay, it's time to up the game. And so I pulled out a business card of a counselor that had been given to me by a psychic. Mind you, I had only gone to a psychic like twice in my life at that point in time. And the business card was given to me like four years prior or something. It was crazy. And I don't remember how I relocated it, but this is the serendipity of all things. So I start seeing her, and at the same time, I had never really understood, mind you, this is many years ago, and before I had done yoga teacher training and all that, but I never really understood studio yoga because I had never done it. I had only ever done yoga at the gym, and my gym offered really high-quality yoga teachers and yoga classes, and so when... I would do yoga at the gym. I also got the benefit of um, the swimming pool and the basketball courts and all the gym things. And so I was like, why would somebody pay like, I don't know, hundred plus dollars a month for just yoga when you can pay not that much more and get all these other amenities? Well, fast forward to this dark night of the soul. And I was like, 
I know I need yoga. And they had, um, it's a studio in Walnut Creek called Just Be Yoga. And they had like a 30 days for $30 or something like that. And I was like, I should just try it out. And that's when I learned the amazing magic of yoga in a studio format where you have a community and you have a choice of teachers, but you really start to learn deeply from these teachers. And it brings in the other seven limbs of yoga other than just the asana limb, the movement. It starts to really go into the philosophy. So it was it it became, you know, a very important spiritual experience for me. Not to mention the fact that like one of the first classes I went to, I found myself completely crying in Shavasana. And even though the class was packed, like the teacher gave me an assist during Shavasana and like rubbed my shoulders and I was crying and I felt so safe. And I remember at that time with this dark night, I was kind of afraid to go out in public because I felt like tears were just so eminent at all times that I I didn't want to like start crying in the grocery store, or start crying here and there. So I was like a, kind of like afraid to go out. And all of a sudden I had this super safe space that was in public and at the same time what there was no judgment about whether I was crying or whether I was smiling. So the relationship of this to me finding Theta Healing is that I didn't realize until months later, both the owner of the studio and my counselor were Theta Healers. And I had never heard of this modality before. And even for many months, my um, counselor was incorporating elements of theta healing, and I didn't, I didn't know. Um, all I knew was I was, I was starting to have breath and life and space between this extreme emotional intensity and actually feeling like I was starting to get my life back and having some. I don't want to use the word control because it uh, control can come with such a connotation of of like force, but choice really. And so in all of this, I came to the point about a year after starting all of this of realizing, okay, I'm now ready to learn some sort of energy healing technique. Some I want to dive into learning something. And I had no idea what that something would be. And I brought it up to my counselor and she said, well, I'm having a Theta Healing course in a month why don't you get the book and start reading it and see if it feels like it's for you? So I did just that and I was on a flight for work and I remember I was eight pages into the basic DNA Theta Healing book. It's kind of the first book that you would approach or encounter um, and it's the one that is aligned with the first course and I was in tears from my soul. It was this huge knowing that this was going to be a, a really important part of my journey. So I took practitioner classes and I just loved it. And so then fast forward a couple years, I had done Theta Healing sessions with, with clients and all of a sudden I realized that I really wanted to go to Montana and learn to become an instructor directly from Vianna, who, who founded Theta Healing. And what was so interesting about that experience is to date, I haven't taught any classes, and I don't know if I will or not, but learning from Vianna directly was just absolutely amazing. She said she had two goals for us. One, to make us more psychic, which is basically, I call it psychic boot camp. We would do readings for, um, she would put these chairs together uh, you know, facing each other in two lines, <laughs> so pre-COVID, <laughs> about, I don't know, 50 chairs long. It was a big train of chairs facing each other. And we would all sit down and we would do like, I think we started out with two minute readings. And then when the two minutes is up, each person would scoot their butt to the right. And so new person, new person, new person, right? And then it became one minute readings. And then before she even told us it was like down to 30 seconds and it was down to like 10 seconds it was like boom 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 and you were doing this with other people who are also very self-aware they had also gone through prerequisites to be able to be at this instructor training so they had cleared out a whole bunch of old beliefs and I can tell you I've never been in a room of that many people before that vibrated so high because a lot of times when I go into a room of that many people it's like ooh, this is 
this is some energetic soup. And this was like, whoa, it was amazing to be in the presence of all these people who had done so much belief work that their resonant frequency was just so much higher. It was like the first time that I had been in a room with that many people where I didn't feel some twinge of anxiety. And so then... I paused on learning last year, not, you know, of course I was still reading books and doing things, but any formalized learning, because I was like, you know, this is, it's time to be putting some of this stuff into action and to, you know, really focus. And I do feel like I could be a lifelong learner and be very, very happy with just continuing to dive in curiously into all of the things and then never end up like doing that next harder step, which is actually figuring out how to articulate it in your own words and how to put it out into the world. So fast forward to two weekends ago, I took my first Theta Healing class in a really long time. And before COVID, Theta Healing had never been offered online. And I think for good reason. It's an intense modality where you get really deep with people. In my class experiences, I was very, very grateful to be really emotionally supported because sometimes really kind of crazy shit comes up that you don't know what to do with and you're really glad there's an instructor who's a professional helping you out. And Theta Healing also originally involved a technique of um, holding the person, holding the client's hands as a way to connect with them while you were doing a reading or while you were doing a healing. And so there were a lot of ways and we, you know, we would do like a meditation or a blessing to open and to close and we would all hold hands. Like it was a very connected spiritual experience. Um, And so that physical connection also was an element of it. So because of COVID, uh, the Theta Healing Institute decided that they would offer the three, basically the three foundational courses, the three courses you have to have before you're going to take any other courses on the Theta Healing tree. So that's the basic uh, or DNA one, advanced or DNA two, and digging for beliefs. And the digging, the dig deeper class didn't come along until after I had done my certifications. And so it was kind of newer on the offerings. And so in all of this, I felt like I was coming home. And the reason I'm sharing it with you is multifaceted. Number one, I want to give you a taste of what this stuff is all about. Number two, maybe you're listening and you realize that either theta healing, learning theta healing or receiving theta healing is for you, or maybe it opens your curiosity or taps like a little thing on your shoulder and reminds you that, you know, you had been interested in actually learning Reiki or astrology or some other, you know, modality entirely. And it kind of gives you that nudge to actually go do it. So whatever the reason is that you're listening, or maybe you just love me and I love you, and that's fa- fantastic too. Thank you for support- <laughs> supporting me in this way. And know that when we sit in this vibration and we laugh and we talk about all of these things that are unseen and that are really, really deep, our consciousness expands. And that was the second thing that Viana said she was there to do for us. One, make us more psychic, and two, to expand our mind about what is possible. And I feel like in large part, that's what this whole podcast is all about. Yes, of course, it's called Not This because we're at a moment in time where we're having to get really, really clear on all the things in our life and in our collective, the way we interact with each other publicly in our communities and our governments in our systems that are so many not this is. And of course, as you've seen with the guests that I've chosen, they're all putting some sort of holy hell yes into the world and offering where they are powerful and passionate and really have an alternative. And the point of showing all the various alternatives is that you have choice. You get to choose how you live your life. And one of the things that holds us back the most are these subconscious beliefs that hang out in the background and they tell us things that are so certain that either they don't even register on the radar as being told or having a belief. It just is. It's like saying there are walls around my house. It's like, duh. Or you do kind of have some sort of conscious awareness that you're carrying this thing around but it is so stuck. It's like 
on you, in you, that it's like, yeah, I'm carrying this thing around, but I mean, either A, I'd never tell anybody about it because they would like judge me or I'm ashamed about it or whatever, or you do tell other people about it and they're like, yeah, that's quite the cross to bear. And what Theta Healing does is like, no, anything that's dense, that's yucky, that's sticky, that you don't want to have as a part of you, it doesn't need to be here. As a matter of fact, you probably brought it in or you probably attracted it on some level, quote unquote, so that you could transmute it. Because when we transmute heavy and dense energies, not only do we stop attracting that same signal from coming into our consciousness, but we also open up the possibility to transmute it for anyone else who's ready to let go of that energy too. In other words, there becomes less density overall on earth. That's like amazing and magical and mind-blowing. So when we're talking about digging deeper, we're coming from the context of a lot of people and a lot of modalities dig to a certain point. They and and so this could be a theta healing practitioner who uh, and it's actually the reason why this dig deeper class was added on to the basic in advance as a prerequisite is Viana noticed that a lot of people in their sessions weren't digging deep enough. They were coming part of the way down into what started to feel like squishy territory of what a belief might be. And then they would just pull that and download a new belief to replace it. But then there was a whole bunch of stuff that was deeper that didn't get touched. Uh, I suppose it could be something like if we're doing, if we're pulling weeds in our garden and we're pulling by hand, we're able to pull, you know, for sure we're probably able to pull the top leaves and stuff off. We might even be able to pull some that are at the roots but those ones that we pull that are at the roots, those roots aren't very deep. And there's probably a whole network even deeper that's causing our whole grass to have weeds in it all the time, right? And sometimes the only way to get to those would be to actually kind of like unearth and undo what was on the top so that we can really, really get down there. And that's why it feels really scary to people. It feels really disorienting to have the thought now stay with me on this one that we're going to go so deep that we're kind of like unearthing the things that are you know I would say our lives are lived pretty much typically or on the surface you know like our physical reality is the last thing to manifest and all the energy behind it is what's much deeper and so it can be really terrifying to think that we're going to change some things that manifests in the physical reality, but we don't exactly know what those are, like that does trigger that like lack of control feeling. It can trigger anxiety or worry or fear, right? But here's the thing. That's only the fear-based ego's perspective or the part of us that is here to keep us safe is the part of us that thinks that things have to look kind of like what they look like right now in order to be okay. But obviously, we could see the limitation in that immediately, right? Like, there's so many layers deeper. And if we really went in and changed the deepest layer, it's like having a rotted foundation of a house. If you jacked up that house and redid the foundation, yeah, that might be a lot of work. But now all of a sudden, your house is sitting on a super stable foundation. You can do whatever from there that you want or need to do. It's never going to rot out from under you. So... The fear-based parts of us say it's not safe to go this deep. And a lot of modalities are focused on getting at the things that we can kind of safely get out without feeling, without triggering this like deeply destabilizing feeling. And paradoxically, actually the deeper we go to remove the energy, the more of a stabilizing pillar we can put in. So we think by going this deep, by going deeper than the first couple layers, 
that it's going to become deeply destabilizing. Everything's all of a sudden going to change in a moment. Everything can change in a moment, but it's always for the better. Because again, we're talking about like a rotted foundation here. And you might be thinking to yourself, I don't have a rotted foundation. True. No human being's entire foundation is rotted. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying if there are all these pillars, then some of them either are rotting or some of them aren't fully serving because that's part of the game that we came here to play. It's it's part of the whole thing. If you had, I mean, it's kind of goofy, but like imagine if you're like, oh yeah, I have everything I need and I'm five years old. Think about that mentally, physically, emotionally. Nobody would agree to that. It'd be like, no, you're on your way. You're, you're just beginning, right? So why would we think that we're anything other than on our way when we're 40 or when we're 80. It's a constant evolution. And so this perspective that there's any part that's precious or stagnant um, or, or completely necessary in order for us to be okay is built out of that same fear. And I'll add a little asterisk. Some of you might be listening and some of you might have an aspect of your life that is truly like your biggest, deepest heart's desire. It is precious. It is something that you would do anything and everything to make sure you're continuing to go in that direction and continuing to move your life to align to that. That's for a reason. That's your soul's calling. I'm talking about releasing the things that the fear within us says we have to have. And and you intuitively, you know the difference. Fear can feel like your mind running around in circles. Fear can feel like your body having an adrenal reaction, being triggered, having that hot flush feeling of hormones in the middle of your body. Fear can feel like being shaky. Fear can feel like saying, well, I'm afraid if... Um, or I, that that can't happen, but you know, these things that are your soul's calling—they're like part of your deepest soul contract as to why you came here and what matters the most to you. Those things, like if you're in a trusted space with somebody to share what those things are, those are the things that like feel lit up and expansive and like full of possibilities, you know the difference intuitively. So what I'm talking about here is digging for those aspects of life where we just know that there's something better out there, but we can't figure out how to get there. And maybe we have tried the other modalities that try to use your consciousness to get there. Like maybe you've tried coaching and you've tried to shift things or you've tried journaling about it or you've tried mantras or you've even like tried Reiki or something and it just doesn't seem to budge, that's when this digging deeper becomes so crucial because it's our being telling us, no, no, keep going, keep going. There's something else here that is so vitally important to your being that you've been brought to this point with it and you need to really find what's actually at the bottom of it. And I'll add one more anecdote here, and it has to do with um, this kind of inner critic or in our coaching program, we called it the gremlin, and there was a message. There was, there's always a message that, they, that it was considered to be a bottom belief that that inner critic or that gremlin said. For me, it was this fear that I was going to end up alone, and we had to, during a uh, coaching training, we had to make it a visual representation. And I got a pool floaty that was an island with a big old palm tree. And I um, went and physically, when it was my turn, I went and physically sat in a corner on my island. It was like the, the totality of the representation I just loved so much because obviously there was a part of me that loved the idea of being on an island alone (laughs) and at the same time I also had this fear of being alone and you know one of the things that we're trained in the coaching program to do is to give that gremlin or that 
that deepest inner critic message, like a different, a different story, a different job. We're like basically transmuting it. And that is and can be really, really effective for people. And if it keeps coming back, if that in essence didn't quote unquote work and that that gremlin didn't just like take that new assignment, that's our key that we've only dug like halfway. And what can be so tricky about that is we might know the things that we think are the bottom beliefs because they're the things that we're like, oh yeah, it's that thing again. It's it's the I'm not worthy again, or I'm going to be alone, or uh, I'm, I'm not good enough, or you know, whatever it is that we think, that's just the start. That's where we begin in this Dig Deeper class. And that's the whole reason why it's called Dig Deeper is we we get to go to places that don't make any freaking sense. So let me tell you how some of this can go. And I'm, I might attempt to do a dig deeper with the collective consciousness. That's kind of the nudge that I'm getting. And at the same time, I've never tried to do such things. So, uh, you know, we'll see how it goes. But let's say we start with the I am alone. And we, so a couple things we ask, you know, when's the first time this happened? Uh, typically in therapy or in coaching, you're going to be used to giving answers of an age in this lifetime of when it first happened. Basically, like, what's the, what's the earliest memory you have? What's the earliest story that you have? And if you've done that before and this thing is still around, then chances are, that just making that story conscious or, you know, bringing love to your inner child and attempting to heal it in that way, it's nudging you to to keep going. So some of the answers in the Dig Deeper class tend to be like one of them that I gave was like "Mm, 10 lifetimes ago was the first time it happened. That was just intuitively what came to me. And part of the art of this is not getting in the head, not trying to think back for a story, not trying to pull off of something that makes logical sense, but really letting the intuition speak, letting some other part of the body or the being that's not just the conscious mind speak and give the answers. Okay, so let's go with that 10 lifetimes ago. And the next question might be like, well, what happened 10 lifetimes ago? Or... Tell me more about what you were experiencing or what you were feeling. And so maybe we get enough of a story or enough of an understanding, enough of a narrative um, that we can then ask this next biggest question. How is this serving you? Or what are the gifts from this? Or what was the lessons that it was teaching you? This is, I think, one of the biggest sneakiest, most important things. Because if you take a step back from all this and you're thinking about this, and we'll do this for the collective consciousness, but you're thinking about this with somebody else's story. It becomes easier to see that if something stayed with us, if something's still in our consciousness, then chances are it's because we had a perception that it was helping us in some way. But when it's our own story, and especially things that happen in this life, of course, there's a much greater tendency to align to a victim consciousness perspective. Like, well, this was done to me. This happened to me. And you're not wrong. Like, yes, it did happen to you. And also, in order to fully heal it, we have to pull forward the gifts. And what Theta Healing then allows us to do is to ask Creator, would you like to live with all of these gifts? Let's say it's, I learned freedom and independence and how, and self-reliance. Would you like to live with all those things without living with the fear of being persecuted or being abandoned or whatever the, you know, the main dense energy on the storyline told us? Because typically in our psyche, we're holding both at the same time. We're holding this awful feeling 
of abandonment that keeps showing up or scarcity that keeps showing up or aloneness that keeps showing up or whatever. And we're also getting the gifts from it. We're also getting the resiliency or the independence or the strength or the courage, the bravery. And so what we're doing in Theta Healing here, when we dig to the to the very, very, very bottom of this energy is we're separating those energies out and we're saying you can have all of the positive impact from this thing without carrying this big heavy thing with it as well. And if we take a step back, isn't that an absolutely amazing way to live life that we get to live with all of the positive things that we've learned, all of the lessons, all the things that we've grown into and experienced. I mean, obviously you can even hear my voice change without having to carry this, these lessons, these, this baggage, this heavy stuff with us. And I think one of the keys to all of this is there are a ton of modalities that help on the, what Theta Healing calls the core level. The core level is this lifetime makes a lot of sense. Like in our coaching program, we call it core beliefs. Yeah, this lifetime's beliefs. And if we expand our perspective, we know that epigenetics is the science of multi-generational trauma being passed on the DNA. So theta healing addresses multi-generational trauma on the genetic level. Genetic is what theta healing calls it. And they look at it as up to seven generations back and forward. And if you've ever purchased the natural cleaning products called Seventh Generation, that's the same, I believe it comes from the Native American tradition, this belief that everything that we should we do, we should be thinking about the next seven generations. And imagine how powerful that is. I mean, we can take a step out from ourselves for once and think about, how incredible it is that you have the opportunity to heal a belief that you inherited from your ancestors. And your ancestors were not trying to hold you back. They just didn't live in 2020. They lived in 1920 or 1820, or I don't need to keep going, (laughs) with a very different world, a very different reality. And so they thought they were handing you a gift which they were, because in all of these beliefs, they're gifts. So if we get, it's like the gift and the wrapping paper. If we get the gift, would they say you have to keep the wrapping paper or the box that it came in? No, they'd say recycle it or reuse it. Let it go. Let it let it go serve its next purpose. They, they don't say you have to keep the gift in the box or keep the gift the exact way that it came. The whole point of the gift is for you to be able to use it. So in all of this, what we get to do is we get to change these beliefs that came in these packages and get to keep the gifts. And we have the potential of being able to do healing on behalf of our ancestors. So for the traumas and the really hard things they went through, through this theta healing technique, we get to ask them if they want to heal this for themselves. And they might be hesitant. Sometimes they are because they don't, there was something deeper that they needed us to know. So we'll end up in really interesting conversations. And this is why it tends to be really helpful to work with a practitioner. And also, if you do take the Theta Healing practitioner courses and are working on yourself, it is entirely possible to do this on yourself as well. I often do it by writing the dialogue back and forth in a journal. And sometimes I even have the, I'm able to have the dialogue in my head back and forth too, which is pretty cool. But obviously another person is really, really helpful for this. But imagine that you then get to heal for all the generations forward from that person. And That means if you have children, you're healing it for them. If you have siblings or parents who are still alive on that same family line, you're making the ability to heal possible. You're giving them the opportunity. I like to see it as like being held up in a cloud for them. And if their soul chooses to give it to them or they're asking for it, then they can receive it. We don't heal others who are still alive on their behalf because of free will. And free will is a really important part of our journeys because free will is what allows us 
to learn the lessons. We're not here for the thing. We're here for what we learn from the thing, right? So much difference when we start to embrace the fact that we're here for the learning and then it makes complete sense as to why we have to figure out what the learning is in a situation, even if it was ancient. Like for example, in past lives, and that's an element I haven't talked about yet, but we have a lot of energy in our beings from past lives. And in Theta Healing, they call it the history level. It can include past lives. It can include ancestors longer back than seven generations. And it could include collective consciousness. Collective consciousness is huge. We don't know what a single source of collective consciousness is, right? Like we have these ideas that come from the collective and we're often not sure where they even originated, where we heard them. Uh, A lot of it could be from entertainment, advertising, beliefs that are just assumptions, like everyday assumptions. One of the things, I know I talked about this before, but one of the things I find to be really funny about the mask controversy and whether or not people should be wearing a mask and all that kind of stuff is that like we don't question whether or not we need to wear pants And that's not to get into like either side of a debate or whatever, but why aren't we debating whether or not to wear pants? Like what is so scary about human bodies? Well, as a collective, we've decided we want to have clothes on. So we do. And there are so much stuff like that. I talked about this uh, quite a bit in the very first episode. The fact that The pool we grew up in, the pool we swim in is made up of all these various beliefs and we don't really have any idea where they come from. And so what's to say that they didn't come from past life experience? What's to say that everything that we know is from this lifetime? Like on a logical level, that doesn't even make sense. Why would some person be super gifted in something that they just picked up or tried, like sitting down and being able to play a song on the piano by ear. Why couldn't everybody do that? Like this, it comes from somewhere, right? And it can be explained away by saying we all have different gifts. Well, yes, of course. But where are those gifts coming from? Uh, Well, our soul chose them. Okay, well, why would our soul choose them? Well, most likely because the things that we came into this lifetime to learn and to grow around and to experience might be appreciably different from other lifetimes. So we choose particular gifts to help us on that path, or maybe we had other lives where things didn't quite work out the way that we had planned or wanted them to, or we perceived that at the time. And that's a a huge part of what Theta Healing is capable of doing is giving you creator's perspective kind of of all situations and all of a sudden you can see things from many 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 angles instead of being limited by the single-sided perspective that we often have or maybe dual perspective that another aspect of ourselves or someone else is able to give us okay so i feel like i've blabbed plenty about this kind of on a theoretical level and so i want to jump in and actually try this experiment this play of what would it look like to pull things from the collective consciousness. So I just opened Instagram. I feel like Facebook would just be too easy. (laughs) A landmine of non-serving beliefs. Go to Facebook. Uh, (laughs) So here's a really good one. In what way has someone changed your life for the better? And this could be... This could be somebody who's currently in your life, or it could be somebody who's not not currently in your life, but feeling into how did they change your life for the better? And chances are, if we dig, obviously looking at the way that someone changed their life for the better is quote unquote positive, right? It has high vibration energy and intention with it. And I'm sure as soon as you'd start listing things out or speaking them out or feeling into them or remembering the memories, um, there's probably a lot of expansion and positive emotion that comes with that. And if this is somebody who's not in your life or not in your life in the way that you would want them to be, and you're looking back, quote unquote, on memories fondly, then chances are, there is 
a lot of what they came into your life to teach you and to show you that you can still have right now, even though in this very moment, they're not a part of your physical day-to-day experience. So do you see where I'm going with that? This is kind of a light touch one, but it's an easy one for you to do, do some of your own investigating on just out of curiosity. And you might get to a place where you hit some sort of a belief as you kind of get deeper and deeper into what really did they bring to me, you might get to something where you feel like they brought you something that you can't have in any other way. And that's the belief that's worth digging on. That maybe they showed you unconditional love. And so maybe you perceive that the only way for you to experience receiving unconditional love from another human is from that person. And our source of unconditional love is source. It's creator. So is this really pointing to a split in your own consciousness at some point in time between you and whether you like to refer to it as source or God or creator? That, I would say, is at the root of so many of people's beliefs and the things that hang out in the subconscious is somewhere along the line getting split from God and then spending our time, spending our lifetimes on this planet trying to get back from other humans what could only be given by source energy in the first place. And I prefer to use source because it kind of neutralizes because of religion, there can be a lot of perspective and a lot of kind of personification of God, God being, you know, judgmental or damning or this or that. And, and source energy is so like direct, right? It's like, oh yeah, source. Well, we all come from source. We all have source, right? Like, what's the consciousness that runs through? My mom sent me something the other day about a particular type of variety of bees that makes their honeycomb in the Fibonacci sequence. Like, and if you're not familiar with the Fibonacci sequence, it's this pattern in nature that we always see repeated on everything from like ferns to uh, conch shells to various leaves and obviously this honeycomb and like that's consciousness running directly through these expressions of the divine on earth as expressions of creation and human beings don't have any way to explain why these bees like and I've talked about this before the bees didn't have a meeting There wasn't a meeting before the meeting with the bees. The bees weren't all on Zoom deciding how to make a perfect Fibonacci sequence-informed spiral. No, it just happens because it's the consciousness that runs through them. And I think when we're most connected in life, that's what we call flow, is when pure consciousness is running through us. We're not having to think or interpret. We're just in it. We're being and doing in pure alignment. And for human beings, those moments are something that people chase. They feel fleeting at times, but the reality is that it's the truth of who we are. We are just as much pure consciousness as these bees are. We just came in here with these really big earth school life lessons and this learning to do, which is like all this extra crap on top of the consciousness and the more we can move away the energy that isn't pure consciousness then we can allow that complete state of flow to be in us and through us and moving us at all times whoo isn't that an amazing amazing miracle or as our friend rob bell says miracle as i continue to scroll through options on Instagram of seeing what's in the collective consciousness. Here's an interesting one. Today is the beginning of anything you want. What does that do to you? Does that bring you a twinge? Does it make you kind of say, yeah, right? 
had plenty of days that I wanted to be the beginning of anything I wanted and it didn't happen, so fuck that. None of that's wrong, of course. It's human. And it's a great starting place. So this reminds me to go into the book and I'll put the book information in the show notes. In the Digging Deeper curriculum, if you will, there are 10 different approaches to dig. And this is a really good place to start with on your own. You don't need to be a theta healer in order to start this process on your own. And then if you start digging things and you find things that you're like, oh yeah, I know there's something deeper here, then that's an excellent time to have a session with myself or somebody else. But here are the starting places, fears, resentment, illnesses, manifesting, things that you want to have happen in your life that haven't yet. Genetics, we talked about that. History level, that as well. The impossible. What feels like impossible? What's like the biggest dream that you have, but you're not like going after it because it feels impossible? Learning from hardships. And of course, this makes so much sense, right? Because when we talked about everything is about learning and the fact that we can ferret out the energy of the heaviness and parse that away from the energy of the lesson and we can take the lesson forward without the heaviness, then it's entirely possible to start learning without having to learn from hardships. And then the last one is learning virtues. Um, so that's Theta Healing's way of saying like that's what every soul came here to learn are, are more virtues, to grow and expand in our virtuous nature. And so when we get into a place where we're consciously co-creating our realities based upon what virtues we're wanting to learn, I mean, can you imagine anything more like juicy and fulfilling and delicious than a life full of consciously co-creating life experiences from source love that allow you to embody more and more virtues. No part of that had to deal with wading through old heavy energy or, you know, having to learn through contrast and hardships anymore, right? And I don't want to say all because I don't know, but most human beings have spent their lives learning through contrast and hardships. So what if it's possible now that we actually just learn through source and through virtues and through love? Okay, so I just did my little Instagram scroll again. And what I found was something about empaths being porous to other people's energy. And when they talk about protecting oneself from other people's energy and being porous, like obviously that has a negative connotation, right? They're not just like, oh, yay, you get to walk around and absorb everyone's good vibes. Who wants to feel like they're a sponge for other people's bad vibes? Like, yuck. And yet at the same time, so many people I know, I hear them say, oh, yeah, I'm an empath. And it's like they either explain or express to you why they're victimized by that or there's just like that heavy victim energy behind it. Um, And a lot of people I know won't even identify as being an empath anymore because of that connotation. So first, going back to our consciousness level, separation consciousness says, I'm an empath and I'm suffering and I am subjected to your (laughs) yucky energy. Bridge consciousness would say, I can identify that that's not serving, so I'm just not going to call myself an empath. Unity consciousness would say, being an empath is one of my gifts and it's a superpower. And obviously, it's one of the ways that I came here to help humanity. So let me just figure that one out, right? So chances are, if someone's feeling really victimized by their empathic energy, then there's something deep within them. And it's not, it, it, it's not enough to just stop at, well, yeah, there's a lot of heavy energy out there right now. There's a lot of fear on the planet. And of course, you're picking it up. Like, no, I'm not willing to rest there because that just leaves you in a powerless position. So that's the whole point of digging deeper. So we would say, I'm going to actually tune into Creator. And if you are not operating a vehicle of any type, 
including your own body walking. You can close your eyes with me if you'd like. I'm just going to quickly ground my energy into the earth. And there's no need to mentally keep up with the process that I'm doing. So just let your energy come along. I'm going to go up through the chakras, out the top of my head. I'm going to go through the bright lights and the golden light and the bright lights and through the jelly-like substance and out the other side to the iridescent pearly white light of creator. And I'm going to ask, what is the root of this collectivized victimhood of being an empath. And what I'm being told is that over the course of time, many human beings, when manipulation and survival through like when scarcity was really intense and in your face, and I'm not denying that scarcity is still very much a reality for many people on this planet, but at one point in time, it was much more so. And the energies of manipulation were strong in order to get what you needed. People did not like other humans who they could perceived could quote unquote see right through them. That makes a lot of sense, right? Um, I'm being shown kind of like the Middle Ages. But as I said before, like it's neither here nor there. This is just a particular story that they're showing me a way for them to communicate with me, a language, if you will for me to be able to then continue to ask follow-up questions or have follow-up insights into, in, until I get to the, to the root of this. And so I can say back to creator, okay, so these people didn't like the fact that they felt like they were being fully seen through by empaths. But what would the problem be if all humans are divine source to start out with then like, what's so wrong with seeing through someone? So they're taking me back even further to the concept of original sin is what they're explaining to me, but they're saying it's not like a Catholic thing. It's many different cultures, religious belief systems had some version of you are not good. You are not right. You're not worthy. You are not loved. You are not loved. What is deepest inside of you is not whole and holy. It's actually when I look inside, I see like rot and decay. And again, that was the belief. So when Cassidy was on the podcast, um, Cassidy Kane, we talked about unconditional love. You can find it on my webpage. I forget the exact episode number. But nevertheless, she told a story about how in Buddhism, they talk about how they hid human beings light inside of them because they knew it would be the last place that the humans looked. And she talks about it way in way more detail. And it's just a really cool story. So I recommend going back and listening to that. But the point is that what I know and believe to be true and what creator agrees with is that what's truest about us is that we are light, that we are love, that we are source, that we are joy, that we are play, that we are all these high vibration emotions. And so that human beings never had anything to fear. There was never such a thing as disappointing some almighty judgmental God that human beings took on at a really, really early age. So I'm going even back in human consciousness prior to the birth and advent of kind of the modern religions and that back to like the cave people. What was it in them? And for them, it wasn't so much a concept of that they weren't good. It was that life was really hard so that it wasn't good to be here. There wasn't a lot of reverence that the spiritual side of humanity hadn't really started to take shape and form yet because human beings were kind of, we were another animal that was here for survival um, and we had some inkling, some spark of how our consciousness would end up evolving, but it wasn't quite there yet. And so in these earliest humans, coming to earth was not necessarily a gift. So let's go ahead and on behalf of everybody listening, if you would like the belief that coming to earth is not a gift, if you'd like that belief hold 
Just say yes. And what I'd love for you to do, I'm going to suggest something to replace it with, which is that being human is a gift. Being on earth is a gift. It's safe to live every single day knowing that this life is a precious gift and that you know how to live with your life as a gift each and every single day in every aspect of who you are in every aspect of your gifts. And if there's anything else that you specifically would like included in that, just say. So what I'm doing during this quiet time is I am asking creator for that change I am witnessing it. And I'm allowing us to move forward in life for anybody who said yes, that they want that. Knowing that each and every single day is a gift. So what our job is, is to go out and look for the individual gifts. I was just saying to Kelsey this morning that I feel like my life now is like I'm in a video game like Super Mario Brothers or something and I go out and I get to collect the gifts like I was taking a walk the other day and the lake was really harsh and it was cold and it was raining a little bit and then it stopped and there was a ton of wind and the waves were just crashing up way over the sidewalk and the beach. As a matter of fact, I walked by a restaurant that's on the beach and it had like four or five inches of water among, you know, filling the entire it's an outdoor restaurant, so it's fine. But there's just so much water, so much kind of like tumult and chaos and this gorgeous, gorgeous rainbow. And that's what life is. So I felt like it was me navigating, <laughs> navigating these tumultuous waters in this wind and looking out and getting this huge gift of this rainbow. And I don't know what those things are for your life, but you know. And the more we say thank you to spirit, thank you, thank you, thank you, then the more spirit continues to give us those gifts, those those treasure, treasures along the way that let us know that we are on the right path. And maybe that really big thing that you've wanted to co-create and have enter your life, maybe it's come, maybe it hasn't, maybe it's come in and you're now scared that you're going to lose it, maybe it's on its way, but you're worried that it's not. Maybe you had it and things have taken a turn. I don't know. But the more that we say thank you for what we have, the more that we're able to continue to receive the miracles that come in each and every moment of this amazing, beautiful human life. So if I can leave you with one thing today, it's to not rest. It's to not accept. I mean, yes, rest physically, but it's to not accept these heavy, dense energies, these beliefs, these patterns. For many of you, it may play out as patterns with friends or family. You know the person. So much of the time, it's easier to see it in other people than it is in ourselves until you really get a groove with this work and doing it on yourself. But like, you know that person who keeps getting into a relationship and the, the, the partner may change, but the details stay the same. I remember this when I got divorced and the first boss that I had right after I got divorced, I swear it was like a mirror of my ex-husband. I was like, oh yeah, super clear universe. Like wasn't done with that in lesson entirely. It didn't need to be in my house anymore, but I still had more to learn on that lesson. So what I would say is don't rest. Don't just accept these beliefs that life has to be hard or that you can only have so much joy or that inevitably. And, you know, the stronger the real life story is about it, the the more you're kicking and screaming at me right now as you listen to this and go, yeah, but but you don't understand about fill in the blank, my bills that I have to pay or my kid's school or my relationship or how my family is. Yeah breathe. I'm sending you so much love and I'm sending you the knowing that the reason that those things are happening for you is so that you're 
soul and your human won't rest until you get to let go and get rid of and be supported in releasing these energies that quite frankly, it's taken me years to be able to work on these energies on my own. And I am somebody who is a huge proponent of empowering individuals to do work on themselves, which I totally believe to be true. And unity consciousness says we need to be able to do work on ourselves and we need to be able to get support from each other. So if I can support you in any way, I will drop in the show notes, my Theta Healing offerings on my webpage and also ThetaHealing.com's information where you can find healers and instructors really cool thing now about one of the gifts of Corona is that there's now three Theta Healing classes and potentially more that you can take online now. And that means you can find an instructor that you super vibe with and they don't have to be in your town or even in your country. So take advantage of all these amazing things that have changed people's lives. Hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people's lives around the world have changed because of this direct way of working with creator and source energy. And that, my friends, is truly a miracle. I love you. 